From Revenue Rhino, I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Michael from Smart PM Technologies. Michael, it's really nice to have you on. Nice to be on, Brad. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm excited for today's discussion. So, Michael, to kick us off, can you tell us a bit about yourself as well as Smart PM Technologies and who you guys are and what you're doing? Sure, sure. A little bit of background on me. I'm a guy who spent 20 odd years working in construction as a consultant. I left college back in 2001 and got involved at companies like Deloitte and KPMG. And what I was hired to do most of the time was help people better understand their projects or construction programs. Wasn't a person who ever built anything. I was a person who help people study their data on their projects to understand things like overruns, delays, risks, that sort of thing. So I started that 20 years ago, saw that there was a big opportunity here. You know, a lot of projects end up late and over budget. You know, it's a big problem in the construction industry to get things done on time and on budget doesn't happen too frequently. It causes a lot of stress. It causes a lot of disputes and arguments and claims and bad relationships and bad feelings and outcomes on projects. So common throughout all of construction, I saw a path to leveraging data, a specific data that I was able to obtain on all the projects I worked on seemed to be very useful. The challenge was getting people to understand that data in ways that I could and do it in a quick way. It takes a lot of time to manually analyze a lot of the data sets that we look at. So we created a system that really plugs into the data analyzes the data and presents it in a manner that supports better understanding and better outcomes across the entire construction ecosystem, whether it's the executives, middle management and site teams, or if it's the owners, contractors, or insurance and consulting firms that are involved. Awesome. So you recognize in the construction industry, there's this problem of project overruns and we're not meeting timelines and all this. And you said, hey, let's take the data and really look at it and help utilize it to avoid that problem. Who is a typical customer? Is it the construction company and and they're getting their estimates or is it the buyer of hiring the construction company? Uh, Who's that customer? Interesting. When we first got started, the pain point that we, I mean, I wanted to tap into was construction management, but the people who were in a lot of pain were the owner side. People who hire the contractors, they generally felt like they were in the dark and always wondering what was going on in their jobs. And our analytics were able to provide them with something that was objective and meaningful to them to really truly understand where projects were. For the first couple of years, owners were our bread and butter. But, you know, once the industry advanced a little bit in in terms of what we call project controls, which is now a lot of big organizations are investing in project controls and scheduling and even analysts on their jobs, the industry overall started to see that there are better ways to manage and owners are going to get this information anyway. So now for the second, we'll call it two to three years since having a product, we've really sold lights out to contractors. And that would be to me now our biggest target, especially the larger ENR top 400 companies, but we do sell to small to medium size, middle market GCs as well. And we do still sell to owners, but the industry I've seen over the years has really taken a liking to taking data and making it speak 
in a manner that results in better outcomes. So yeah, now we're selling mostly to contractors, still sell to the owners, but we also even have some insurance companies and banks that actually utilize our program as well. Because if you think about a construction project, there's a lot of different people who are involved. There's a lot of different entities that are involved that are at risk for overruns and delays for their various reasons, like an owner isn't getting its asset on time and that affects their financial model. And there's risk there, like not collecting rents on a multifamily. And then the contractor's risk is being there late and over budget and, and having to fund part of that while losing out on other opportunities that should be progressing as well. So everybody feels this pain. Insurance companies get claims that come in and insure companies that maybe are management risk, uh, being able to see into that data and benchmark that data is powerful for them. And then we sell the consultants as well, the people that do what I used to do, but these consultants are really just trying to do more with less for their companies to help their customers. Absolutely. It's really interesting. So as you built this solution to this problem, how did you start to grow it and acquire customers? What did that look like early on and then up to today? Well, I mean, it started out, I mean, as a CEO who's been in the industry, you go knocking on every single door that you have access to. I'd go find all my contacts on LinkedIn and try to figure out who's willing to pick up the phone and hear me out. You get a few customers that way. Eventually, we started building out a BD process where we have are starting to study the industry and study the players and find the right people. So once you run out of your own network of people to talk to, you've got to start reaching out to people you don't know. And you do that through your business development process. So we started building up contacts and also going to trade shows and that sort of thing and trying to network a little bit to try to meet new people that would be willing to see our product, hear about our product and try our product out. We still do that. But once you get some testimonials and once you start getting some good traction, once you start getting people hearing about you through your marketing efforts at the trade shows and you start pumping out good content, sort of explaining to the world some of the things that you know about and some of the ways in which you can help them learn more about their profession. You know, you start building a, a track record and a name, and then you start hoping that people will find you through referrals and through finding you on the web and going to your website. And it's just sort of an iterative effort after that. You continue to refine your BD process and really hone in on the right targets there. And you continue to refine your messaging and know exactly what places to go and continue to build those relationships with those organizations and those people. And all the while, the cross-pollination of people out in the world who are using your product and ending up somewhere else or telling their friend about your product is driving leads. So that's really where it comes down to product. If you've got to create a product that's adding value for people to want to talk about it and refer it to their friends. So that would be pretty much the four-pronged process that we've deployed over the years, but it started with knocking on doors. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love that. Have there been any major lessons learned, anything you found like, oh, wow, this strategy has worked really good, or absolutely, this is a waste of time. I wouldn't do X, Y, Z again. I would say the number one thing that I learned that, that it worked real well was actually during COVID. That was our second year in business. Wasn't too sure how that was going to go. I knew that people were going to be very nervous on spending any money because nobody knew what was really going on. And I immediately assumed like, we're going to stop selling and we're going to start educating. We're going to, we're going to create content 
is people are nervous right now. And we have a background in how to handle a situation like a COVID. Like, what would I do if I were in their shoes today, knowing what I know about the data that I have access to? The data that they have access to, what would I tell them with or without Smart PM, what to do in this moment at this time? And we started creating these white papers that really explained sort of, here's what the situation is, here's what your options are, here's what you should be thinking about, here's how you should be covering yourself from a risk perspective of delays and overruns. And none of it said anything about Smart PM. None of it was like, oh, and buy our software. It was actually just, I feel like helping right now because that's really all I know you want. And through that, it created this brand awareness or this trust that was built because it resulted in a lot of phone calls real quick about, hey, really liked your article. I mean, that thing like flooded the market. People were passing it around to each other and sharing it. And it had our little logo on it. And yeah, people started to realize that this is a subject matter that we know very well, and we're not sitting here trying to do anything with it, like sell anybody on anything. We're, we're willing to help. And that is what really spawned our content distribution strategy is not about selling software. It's about teaching people something that we know about, and we want that content to be out there and helping people be better. And that was really interesting because prior to that, I didn't know that that's really how you should be out there developing content in a manner that's helpful rather than selling. And it really did make a big difference in how people viewed us. I realized that the number one thing that we can do as an organization is establish trust. And trust is the most important thing. If you don't have that trust, nobody's going to consider buying anything from you. So we become, uh, I guess, a thought leader in a certain area of the industry, but we do it in a manner that helps and that trust becomes a relationship. That relationship becomes a customer down the road because they realize that this isn't snake oil we're selling and we know what we're talking about. I love that. I couldn't agree more. I think instead of just hearing buy our software, buy our software, buy our software, it's like hearing about how do I run my project on time and on budget and strategy and insights. I love that you guys are educating and creating content that's useful and helpful and not just preaching the message of buyer thing without that trust established. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it gives it the credibility is everything. For sure. Is that mostly like LinkedIn content or you mentioned article, like blog on your website or where's the distribution? Yeah, we do. We do a lot of it these days. We'll do blogs. We've got a lot of different blogs. That's great. For SEO, number one, but number two, we can go post a blog on LinkedIn about a subject matter. And, you know, if it's an article that's written like boring, blah, blah, blah stuff, nobody's going to share it. They're not like, hey, cool, let's check this out. So we try to be very thoughtful in what we're putting out there. Sometimes we do white papers and then we'll email them out. That's what we did with the COVID stuff was a series of four white papers that we blasted out to a lot of people. But a lot of people still to this day say they became a customer because they read something four years ago in that COVID time, whatever, three years ago from the COVID write up. So, yeah, it's, it's good to know that, you know, it was helpful and it was useful. And we learned a big lesson as clearly. Love that. What is one thing you wish you would have known when you first became a CEO that you know now? Oh, I wish that I knew that this could become an obsession. 
<laughs> I have a, a wife and kids at home. You know, I started right in the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey was when I got married and had my first son. And in that process, I've had two additional kids and I wish I knew how difficult it would be to try to juggle an, another child, really a startup, uh, knowing that I wanted to be home as I wanted to be a good father. I wanted to be a great husband, but knowing that the challenges that come when you are building a business from scratch and bootstrapping, nonetheless, make it, it's very stressful. And I don't, it's almost like you're trying to be good at too many things. So I wish I knew a little bit more about not being as obsessive with my business. Cause at the end of the day, if you obsess over it, you're actually causing problems elsewhere. And in some cases, the business is going to take the time and there is a way to get to a successful business without overthinking everything, which is a really hard thing to do when you're nervous that it's not going to work out or wondering about this journey. But I wish I had known that. Absolutely. And then if you could go back in time and give your younger self a piece of advice, what would that advice be? I would say that, you know, trust yourself a little bit more. In these moments of questioning things, believing in yourself and having a lot more confidence. I wish I had a lot more confidence in, in my decision-making because I mean, lying up late at night, working late hours, studying numbers to the nth degree, just to make sure I was making the right decisions is really what took up all the additional time that I could have been spending with my family and my wife. And it was just, those were the days that, you know, when you're unsure of something, uh, I wish I had a little bit more confidence in myself. Absolutely. And then as we wrap up, any closing remarks, any advice to others out there, maybe those in your industry, any words of wisdom? Well, first of all, I think the number one thing I will say, and this goes to the people in the industry, and this goes to the people who I believe would ever get involved in a startup, numbers don't lie. Uh, data is so useful and so important. I've focused my whole career on data analytics, and that's what got me to where we were able to produce something that was useful, but that wasn't it alone. It's not just about the data. It's also about learning your customer and getting very intimately involved with them, make them part of your business, get a lot of good information from them, listen to them. We almost went through a period of time where we lost our whole business because we thought we knew what we were talking about and didn't necessarily do the level of customer discovery that we should have. Then along those lines, when I get into data, you know, it applies everywhere. And if and when you as a business owner can start organizing your data consistently with how your business model is, you start to learn a lot about your business and you start to see where your areas for improvement really are. It's almost like trying to build a house, a building without data. I think it's crazy. And some people actually do it day in and day out. But now I look at the data for our business and it helps us forecast better. It helps us. Our forecasting has been phenomenal. We can project out 12 months, you know, what our income's gonna be, what our expansions are gonna be, what our churn's gonna be. And we can then use that and forecast even further out and all the while, we can be tracking against it and figure out what are the little things, strings we need to pull here and here. What's going off track here that ultimately could cause a problem if we don't fix it? So I would say, to me, that's been the number one thing I've ever learned is there's so much to be said for 
capturing and understanding data, but it needs to be brought to a level where it's objective and communicatable to everybody. And that applies to our customers. That applies to anybody who's interested in starting a business. Absolutely. I love that. Couldn't agree more. Michael, it's been amazing to have you on. Thanks so much for uh, sharing your wisdom and insights today. Thank you very much for having me, Brad. I really appreciate it. It's nice to talk with you. Absolutely.